Now, once you're there, just kind of look up at me. Last week, we talked, about, we talked about perseverance in prayer. And you're going to see a little bit more about that today. And it's really important. Uh, James 5.16 says that the effective, the fervent prayer of the righteous man avails much. That's James 5.16. It says the effective, the fervent fa- prayer of the righteous avails much. In other words, it brings about a lot. And we need a perseverance in prayer, not just a five-minute Hail Mary in the morning, not just a 10-minute, let me just throw up everything I want to tell God. No, we need a perseverance in prayer that won't quit even when nothing in the natural seems like it's changing. You remember the story we read last week in the book of Daniel, how Daniel had been fasting and praying, and at the end of that fast and prayer on the third week, the angel showed up and said, listen, from the day that you first prayed, in other words, he said, from the day that you first set your heart towards God, I was sent. And I have come today because of your words. The only reason it took me so long is because the prince of the kingdom of Persia, we call him the God of this world, who is Satan, your adversary, the devil, he was slowing me down so much so that I had to call in one of the archangels, Michael, to help me fight through and bring this answer to you. And it's so important. You need to be persevering in your prayer. Maybe you've been praying for healing over your body. Maybe you've been praying for healing over someone else's body. Maybe you've been praying for a restoration of relationship and a broken relationship within your family. Maybe you've been believing God for something and you're this close to quitting. You have been praying, you have been asking God, and you're this close to quitting. And God's word to you this morning, as it was last week, is dig your heels in the ground and don't quit. Have a perseverance in prayer that will not quit, even when it seems like nothing in the natural is changing. What does that mean? You might be laying hands on yourself every day and speaking life to your body, and you don't feel like you see or feel any change. You might be praying for that restoration of relationship, and you don't feel like you're seeing any change. But regardless of what you see, remember, faith operates not by what you see. Faith operates, um, it's by faith. It's not by what you see. It's what you know based on God's word. Faith is the confidence knowing that God said it, you can have it. So dig your heels in the ground in prayer and don't quit. Be perseverant in your prayer. Do you remember what the definition of persistent was that I gave you last week? It's a good definition. Persistence. It's really good. Yeah, I think that's the best definition of how, how, that's, if I was to define the Christian walk, it's persistence, to continue despite problems. Sometimes we, 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 sometimes we do a disservice to you guys, and we do a disservice to other people when we try to teach them about the Lord, and we talk about if you come to Jesus, your problems will be fixed. That's not really true. When you come to Jesus, the big problem of sin is fixed, and he works out everything else in your life, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to have struggles here in this earth. In fact, Jesus said, you will have tribulation, but you can be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. So I see the Christian walk as persistence. You continue despite problems, and you need to be that way in your prayer, to continue despite problems. And what we're looking at this morning is going to give you the way to continue. In Ephesians chapter 6 verse 10, let's read together. It says, finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Stop right there. We talked about that. Your self-will. You can't will yourself to win every battle. You're just not going to do it. But you can be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. So be strong in him and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God 
that you may be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you might be able to withstand in that evil day. And we define that. What is the evil day? Anytime Anything comes against you. Sickness comes against you. Anytime something comes against you, you might be able to withstand if you know the schemes of the devil and you put on the armor of God. Okay, verse 14, stand therefore, having girded your waist with truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking up the shield of faith with which you can quench all the fiery darts of the wicked one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. This is what I want you to see, verse 18. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit, being watchful to this end with all perseverance and supplication for all the saints. What I want to talk to you about this morning is praying in the Spirit. As we wrap up this final talk on prayer, as we wrap up this final teaching on prayer, is praying in the Spirit. I believe I've decided years ago, not I believe, I know I've decided years ago, that if it's God's will for me to have it, I want it. And we know that when it comes to healing. We know that when it comes to God wants us to be prosperous and God wants, to be us, wants us to be overcomers and more than conquerors. But God said that he would pour out his Spirit on all all flesh. So I decided if God said I can have it in his word, I want it. I decided that years ago. And something that you have to realize is that you, you, you can be saved and you can be born again, but there is another level. There's another level that God wants to bring each and every one of us to. God's desire is that we have the fullness of Christ in us. His desire is that we have everything that he has made available to us. Now, I want to give you a little demonstration here. I forgot to tell you guys this beforehand, but could one of you go over to the lights on this front setting? Just, just wherever, Matthew, you're right there, Matthew. Find the lights for this front setting. That's what I want you to do. I want you to dim them. Dim them down to the front setting. Okay. So let's take a look. at. You can even dim, dim these middle ones. That may be a better example. So these, these first two rows, how many of you would say that these lights are on? Are the lights on? Raise your hand and say the light's on. Okay, let's all agree. The light is on, right? But is the light giving its full light? No. The light is dimmed, right? Here's one of the things I want you to see. You have to follow me because I'm going to show you this in the Word. You can be born again. You can be saved, and you can be baptized in the water of repentance. You can be baptized into the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, as Paul says in Romans 6. And you can, you can identify with Jesus. You're born again. But there's something that's subsequent, which really just means following being saved and following being born again, and that's being filled with the Spirit. When you're born again, you're plugged into the source. These lights that you see are plugged into the source, and they're able to give light. Would you all agree with me? So we're saying that these lights are plugged into the light source. They're plugged into the power, okay? They're able to give off light but they're not reaching, in essence, their full potential. You understand what I'm saying there? They're not, they're not fulfilling their full purpose, okay? Now, go ahead and bring those lights up. Now the lights are at full capacity. They can't go anything beyond that, okay? These lights are now functioning at full capacity, and we have light in the room. Now, these lights are also plugged in, and they're connected to the power source, 
but they're not restraining the power source. In order for the lights to be dimmed, we have to kind of restrain the power source. And God says that he promised, once Jesus went up to heaven, God promised that he would pour out his spirit upon all flesh. And one of the things that comes with pouring out the spirit is having like a supercharge. And, and Jesus talks about that in the book of Acts. We're going to go there in a minute. But I just want you to get this, this illustration in your mind for a second. You can be born again. You can be on your way to heaven. You can be connected to the power. But you might not have the full power power that God wants for you until you're baptized and fill in the Holy Ghost. Now, there are some people in today's day and age who say, you know what, that was just for the first century church, Mr. Kurt. There are some people in today's day and age that say, well, you know what, that's not for everybody, Mr. Kurt, because we have the Baptists over here, and we have some others over here who don't necessarily believe in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Well, let me tell you something. I made a decision in my heart years ago, if God said it, I want it. If God said I can have it, I want it. Not only if God said I can have it, I want it. If God said it, I'm going to have it. I'm going to find a a way to have it. I was born again at eight years old, baptized and talking in tongues and filled with the Spirit by the time I was 10. I was laying hands on the sick and they were recovering. My mom, I just have this image of remember my mom bringing me around to someone. She's like, Kurt, I didn't know anything. I must have been like nine or 10. She's like, I want you to lay hands on them and pray for them. I'm like, what is that supposed to do? I don't, what do you mean? You know, but she had said before that, that I would just lay hands on people and they would recover. So I, I didn't really remember really that God was even using me like that. But I was filled with the Holy Spirit at a young age so much so, you see, many people want evidence that being baptized in the Holy Spirit is real. The Bible says that the evidence is the Spirit himself. The Spirit bears witness, bears witness with us that we are the sons of God. I was 18 years old. I was driving in my car. I was living in sin, and God was slowly drawing me back, drawing me back, drawing me back. I was on the highway, and all of a sudden, bubbling out of my spirit came this tongue talking that I hadn't done in years. I was just driving. It's like, I'm like, whoa! Where did that come from? And all of a sudden I realized, wow, this thing is real. Not only was I, was I saved, but God is real. This spirit stuff is real. And I just want you to begin to see that, that it's the next level. It's subsequent to salvation. I want to show you a few scriptures here. Go over to the book of Acts, please. I'm going to show you the beginning of this all. Acts chapter 1, please, verse 8. <clears throat> We've studied the spirit several times throughout last year here in D2L. But in, in talking about praying always in the Spirit, it's important to go back and take a look at this. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, when you get there, say, I got it. Acts chapter 1, verse 8, let's read it together. Jesus is speaking. He is just about to ascend to heaven. And before he does, he says, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Let's read that again. But you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and in Samaria unto the end of the earth. You shall be witnesses to me. I want to give you a little example here. Jesus says is you will, you will receive power and then you'll be witnesses. And just think about this. How many of you have ever tried to go and witness for Christ, but you just feel like you were lacking the ability? You just feel like you were lacking the power. You wanted to be a witness for Christ, but you, were, you didn't maybe have the words. You didn't really have... I, I've had that happen to me before. And what Jesus says is that when you receive the filling of the Holy Spirit, you receive power. Now, when you're born again, when you're born again, you receive the Spirit of God inside of you. Follow me now. This is very important to understand. When you're born again, the Spirit of God comes to make His home inside of you. But when you get baptized in the Holy Ghost, it's like you're supercharged. You know, you can buy a Mustang, right? You can buy a Mustang. 
And then you can, drive, you, can, you can buy a turbocharged or a supercharged Mustang. You put them both at the line, chances are, nine times out of ten, the turbocharged or the supercharged Mustang is going to win off the line because it has those extra components. The car is lighter. There's more fiberglass. There's more you know, air intake, maybe a dual air intake. So the car goes faster. It's turbocharged. And that's what being baptized in the Holy Ghost really is. You can go farther. You might be able to drive the same road. You might be able to go fast. But when you're baptized in the Holy Ghost, you're turbocharged. That's really the example that Jesus gives us here. Another thing I want you to see is over in the book. Um, uh, actually, it's the same book. I want you to go to Acts chapter 2, verse 1, because this is where we get the, the baptism of the Holy Ghost for the first time. Jesus has already ascended. Now, let me tell you, he told the disciples, don't go anywhere. Do not leave until you're filled with power from on high. Don't leave. Don't leave until you're filled. So they're hanging out in the upper room. And in, in chapter 2, verse 1, it says, When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind and filled the whole house where they were, uh, where they were sitting. Then there appeared on, uh, to them divided tongues as of fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, I'm not here to debate were they talking in Spanish and English, because then it goes on to say that they spoke in different tongues so that everyone understood his own language. That's fine, but this is the beginning of what God was doing. And today, when God pours out his Spirit, I don't really know what the language is that I'm speaking, but it's a heavenly language. And when I pray in the Spirit, it's a heavenly language. And I may not know the words and the dialect and all that type of stuff, but we'll talk about it in a minute. God gives interpretation with that. So, they were filled with the Spirit. I want you to see, because what I just told you is that when you get filled with the Spirit, you get power. Everyone say power. There was so much power that was poured out, one man by the name of Peter stood up after being baptized with the Holy Ghost, and he began to preach. Now, on a good day when Mr. Kurt preaches, maybe one, two, three, four, maybe four, get saved. Well, when Peter preached, when he was baptized with the Holy Ghost, 3,000 got saved. 3,000. That's more people than there is in this church. 3,000 people on the day of Pentecost got saved. That tells you something about the power of God. Sometimes as a Christian, we try to establish programs. Let's go out and let's witness to people. Let's get this program. And programs are great. And you know what? They work. But they're really so structured that you miss the spirit. And God's trying to say, when my spirit is there, it is the structure that you need. You know, you're, you, you, those of you who are baptized in the Holy Spirit, you have known, and those of you maybe not even baptized, but you, you have a good connection with God, you know when you're talking with somebody, sometimes God gives you the words to say when you're having a conversation with them. They may be pouring out their guts to you about, you know, all this depressing stuff, and God gives you a word to say to them. And, and that's just having that connection with the spirit. Now, a program can't do that. But see, God can use you as his witness everywhere you go to bring an, a word of encouragement to everyone you see. But if you don't have the spirit on the inside, you may not have the possibility and the opportunity to do that. So God is teaching us here that when, we're, when his spirit is poured out, there is power. But there's not just power. I want to show you um, some of these here, some of these scriptures. Um, uh, well, let's do this one. You're in the book of Acts. So go over to Acts 19. I kind of have a lot that I want to get to you this morning, and, and I just really am really only going to be able to kind of wet the surface here. Acts chapter 19. This scripture is really just, just to kind of settle an argument, because some people say that, oh, you know, um, 
you don't have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, and it's not necessary, it's not for everyone. And I want you just to see this, this happening here. In Acts chapter 19, Paul, it says, And it happened while Apollos was at Corinth that Paul, having passed through the upper regions, came to Ephesus, and finding some disciples, he said to them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Let me give you the 21st century interpretation of that. When you got born again, did you get baptized in the Holy Spirit? That's what he's basically asking them. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed or when you were saved or when you were born again? Uh, verse 2, and he said to them, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? So they said to him, we have not so much heard whether there is a Holy Spirit. And Paul said to them, into what then were you baptized? So they said, into John's baptism. Then Paul answered and said, Jesus indeed baptized John indeed baptized into repentance, saying to the people that they should believe on him who would come after, that is, on Christ Jesus. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And when Paul had laid hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke with tongues and prophesied. Now, we don't have time to go there, but in the book of Acts, just, well, we're in the book of Acts, but in the first chapter, in the second chapter, when Paul gives his, his preaching, uh, Peter gives his preaching, and 3,000 people are saved, Peter says, these men aren't drunk as you think that they're drunk. These men are filled with the Holy Spirit. And he goes back and says that God prophesied in the book of Joel that he would pour out his spirit on all flesh, and people would speak in tongues, and they would prophesy, and that the young men would have visions, and the old men would dream dreams. Speaking in tongues is just a promise that God gave us, but there's power that comes in being baptized with the Holy Ghost. And that's what I want you to see this morning. To me, if God made it available, why not take it? Why not have it? You know, it's like some people, they, 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 they believe that maybe God made healing available, but they just don't go out there and take it. It's like the bread is sitting on the table, and you're so hungry, and you're saying, mom and dad, I just want something to eat. Mom and dad, I just want something to eat. And all along the while, they're saying the bread's on the table. The bread's on the table. What do you have to do? You have to go over to the table and get the bread. And in your relationship with God, that's what you have to do. You have to go over to the table and get the bread. You've got to go over to what God wants for you and take it because it's yours as a child of God. Now, the first thing that we saw, the power that comes is boldness. Jesus said, when you receive the Holy Spirit, you're going to get boldness to be a witness to me. And that's the, just a great reason to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, because sometimes we don't have the boldness to go out there and preach the Word. Sometimes we don't know what to say, but when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, God gives you a boldness so that you can go do what He wants you to do. The next thing that I want you to see is in the book of 1 Corinthians. Go over to 1 Corinthians, and it's personal edification. Can you follow me? Because this is probably the most important thing in prayer we're talking about. You need to follow me here. 1 Corinthians chapter 14. Don't tap out on me yet, okay? 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 2. When you get there, say, I got it. Now, Paul is giving an explanation about speaking in tongues and prophesying, everything we just read about. For he who speaks in a tongue does not speak to men, but speaks to God, for no one understands him. However, in the Spirit, he speaks mysteries. Verse 3, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. He who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. Here's the next benefit or, you know, the power that comes in praying in the Spirit. Your human words are limited. 
When you go before God to pray, you can only pray based on what you know. Your human words are limited to your knowledge. But when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit and you pray in the Holy Spirit, then you pray to God in a language that he understands because it's his heavenly language. And it's not your mere human words. And there's power behind those words because you're saying the right words. And Paul is saying here, when you pray in the Spirit, you are edifying, you are building up yourself. Now, so there are so many times, there was one particular time I was right here in this room, and it happens to me a lot, and I just really get in the spirit. I just worship, and I'm praising, and I'm going along with God, and then there are times I just don't know what to say, so what I begin to do is I begin to pray in the spirit. I may pace the floor. I might just be just praying in the spirit, and all of a sudden, God gave me this revelation one day. As I was pacing the floor, and I was praying in the spirit, every time I would pray in the spirit, he immediately gave me the, uh, the English interpretation of what I was praying in the spirit, and he began to open my eyes, and I began to see, wow, this is a powerful prayer. What I'm praying in the Spirit, he began to give me the revelation. He began to show me exactly what it was I was praying in the Spirit. And I had been asking him for an answer to something. And because he was revealing to me what I was praying in the Spirit, what he then did was reveal the answer to me as I was praying in the Spirit. And it was just such a beautiful uh, just picture because that's what God wants us to do. God wants us to not only pray with our human words, but our human words are limited. In other words, you reach a cap. But with God, when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying and you're building up yourself with words you don't even know and understand. You're praying to God. And God is so good that He meets you right where you are and then He can give you the interpretation. He can show you what it is that you're praying. So the, the first prayer that we pray in the Spirit is a prayer of edification. And there are times when I don't know what to do and I'm just there praying in the Spirit. I'm just praying in the Spirit. There are times, well, we'll get there, but there are times when, when we're going through something and we don't know what to do, we're just praying in the Spirit. At the hospital because somebody got injured at the hospital because somebody had a stroke, a heart attack, whatever it may be. Just sitting there, you know, praying in the Spirit. We pray collectively as a family, and then we just pray in the Spirit. And when you pray in the Spirit, so much happens that you can't even understand. And that's the next thing that I want you to see here. After personal edification is something that, we, that is called intercession. When you pray in the Spirit, you have the power of intercession. And that's something that we really can't do with our human words. And it's so interesting because when you intercede for somebody, if, what's your best guess on the word intercession? What do, you, what do you think that means, if you were to guess what that means? Intercede or intercess, what, what do you think that means? What's your best guess? Just take a stab at it. That's a really good definition, to show up on behalf of someone else. What else? What other thoughts might you have? Okay, go ahead, what? Yeah, 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 those are two good ones. To show up on behalf and then interject. Literally, it means to mediate or intervene. To either mediate, you're going to say that? Yeah, to like intercept, exactly. Now watch this. When you're interceding in prayer, you might be the only intercessor between heaven and hell for a person. And that's a bold thing when you think about it, because the word intercession means to mediate or to intervene. And God has given us the responsibility and the authority to be able to intercede on somebody's behalf. And I just think that that is amazing. And when you're praying in the Spirit, like I said, God can give you the revelation of what you're praying. And sometimes you realize, wow, I'm interceding for somebody. I'm interceding on someone's behalf. You're intervening between heaven and hell for this person. Or you might be intervening 
between some worldly situation and what God wants for this person. And the Bible also says that you're interceding for yourself. And that's what's great about praying in the Spirit. You really think you know what you need. I really think I know what I need in prayer. When I go before God, God, I need this. God, I need this. But when I just begin to pray in the Spirit, God knows what I need. And so the Spirit knows what I need. And the Spirit prays what Mr. Kurt really needs. Just like you, when you pray in the Spirit, you're praying what you really need. You're interceding on your behalf or you're interceding on someone else's behalf. There was a, a year ago, actually, oh, maybe it'd be a year and a half ago now, there was a congregation member of this church um, who, uh, well, twice this happened. I'll give you both stories. The first situation, a congregation member of this church uh, had to go in to have a tumor removed from his brain. He had a tumor on his brain. Now, the surgery went great, but what happened was we got a phone call here at the church that um, he wasn't responding. After the surgery, he wasn't responding, and he wasn't waking up. He wasn't coming to. And so when we got this word, we were in the middle of a staff meeting here at the church, and Pastor John said, let's just pray. And we just began to pray, and the whole room prayed. We're all baptized in the Holy Spirit. We're praying in the Spirit. And as we're praying in the Spirit, not a moment after I began to pray in the Spirit, the interpretation of what the Spirit was praying came out. And this is what it said. Wake up. Wake up. David, wake up. Wake up. David, wake up. And how do I know that that was the Spirit? Well, because to my right was Pastor Joseph. And as we began to pray in the Spirit, immediately at the same time, he began to say the same thing. Wake up. Wake up. David, wake up. And it was so amazing because as we're praying what the Spirit just gave us utterance, because the Bible says when we pray in the Spirit, we don't know what we're praying, but we pray with groanings and utterances that we don't understand. It's the Spirit that's uttering those things out of us, and it's that perfect prayer. So as we're praying, I got this image of we're over here in Seekonk, Massachusetts. He's in Providence, so maybe a good five or eight miles away at, at, at the hospital, and we're praying for him, and we are speaking to his body to wake up. That's how powerful the Spirit of God is. We can be over here in Seekonk and speak to his body in Providence and say, wake up. And the truth is, I don't know if it happened immediately after we got done praying, but it didn't take long before David woke up and came to. And I just think that was so awesome. God gave the intercession. We interceded on his behalf. And we prayed in the Spirit. God gave us the interpretation. We had the utterance. And he, he, so I, I just began, <laughs> I learned so much from this situation. Then again, something happened. Somebody went into the, uh, just, I don't know if they went into cardiac arrest or what. Their, their heart just stopped working. I was working at WSTL. We got word while somebody was in a prayer meeting. They came running over to us, another congregation member of the church. And we just began to pray in the Spirit. Because a lot of times, you don't, when you, when you get some, you know, um, emergency situation, just words, you're short of words. You don't know what to say. So we just began to pray in the Spirit. And again, another interpretation happened. I don't remember what it was, but we began to pray in the Spirit, and then an interpretation came, and we began to speak, and life was restored to His body. And I just think it's amazing how we as Christians, because we're connected by the Spirit, we have a bond to one another. And the same Spirit that's in Christ Jesus is in you. And the same Spirit that's in Christ Jesus and in you is in somebody three miles away, 30 miles away, 300 miles away, 3,000 miles away. And you have the, ab the ability, the power, and the authority in the Spirit to intercede on someone's behalf, not just interceding on your own behalf. And it's just there's so many benefits to being filled with the Spirit. And this morning, I just kind of wanted to lay the foundation for you because I believe where God is taking us in, this last, in these last days, in this 21st century, where God is taking us, we must be filled with the Spirit. There's no question. 
We must be filled with the Spirit. You need to not just have power to be a witness, but you need the power of intercession, and you need the power of tongue prayer, because it's a heavenly prayer. It's a heavenly language that we just can't understand, and God does something there even more than I can even understand. So we need that. I wanted to kind of lay the foundation. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to stand to your feet. And, you know, there, sometimes the, the filling of the Holy Spirit happens in different ways. Like I, I saw Paul. Paul laid hands on people, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Paul preached to people, and they received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Peter preached to people, and immediately they were filled with the Holy Spirit. So, you know, a lot of people think that, you know, something goofy happens. It's not goofy. You're not going to go around clucking like a chicken. You know, that's not what it's about. But there really is something powerful that happens. And I have been filled with the Holy Spirit, and I've been filled with the Holy Spirit, and I've been filled with the Holy Spirit. I was filled initially when I was about 10 years old. I was filled with the Holy Spirit. I was baptized in the Holy Ghost. And once I was baptized, I didn't need to be baptized again, but I needed a continual filling. And that's just the next level. And I've gone to the next level and gone to the next level, and I'm still going to the next level. Every time God pours out more of his spirit. So there are those of you in this room that haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit yet. Now you've heard the word preached today, and God's already prepared your heart. You've been saved, and now you know there's just something that you need more of. And that's the spirit. That's being baptized in the Holy Spirit. There are those of you in this room who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, and you just need a, a, a further infilling, a further filling of the Holy Ghost. God wants to do that for you this morning. He wants to pour out His Spirit in a way that you and I really haven't even seen before. How's that going to happen, Mr. Kurt? Well, we're just going to begin to worship God. It's not going to be a special song that we're going to sing together. We're just going to begin to worship. Worship is not the music that we play. Worship is our communication with God. Praise is giving thanks for who he is and what he's done. Worship is a heart-to-heart -heart connection with your creator. And that's what we're going to do. Let's start off with praise. Just begin to thank him for who he is. And let's enter into worship because God will be glorified in this place. Father, we just thank you. We bless your name. You can lift your hands. You can begin to speak with your mouth. You're just talking your human language. So, Father, you're so wonderful. Thank you so much, Lord. We're not trying to make something happen, but we just want to take some time and just, just love on you and just thank you for who you are. You've been such an amazing God. There's no one like you, Lord. There's no one like you. Thank you, Father, for preparing our hearts today. Thank you, Father. Lord, we might have been saved, and today we're ready to move forward to that next step to be filled with the Holy Ghost. 